Good morning from Uptown Baptist Church. My name is Bob Eshman, and I have the blessing to share God's word with you today. If you could turn to Matthew chapter 16, and while you're turning to Matthew chapter 16, I want to give a shout out to three amazing grandkids, Malachi, Karis, and JD. I really love you guys. Some years ago, I came across a verse in Psalms, Psalms chapter 143 and verse 8. And that verse became very special to me. In fact, I memorized it, and every morning, with my first waking thought, I would quote that verse, and I would think about that verse. In Psalm chapter 143, verse 8 says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I am to go, for to you I lift up my soul. I want to say that verse again. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way to go, for to you I lift up my soul. I encourage you to memorize that verse, to meditate on that verse, to share that verse with other people. God's word is very powerful. Let's pray. Lord, today we want to praise you from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. In the name of the Lord as we praise. I will praise the Lord as long as I live, yes, even with my dying breath. And David also said, I will praise you all day long for all that you have done for me. And Lord, we want to praise you. We want to give thanks to you. We're so glad for your presence and you promised to never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that we have in our time of need. And so now I pray, Lord, you'll use your word and stir our hearts to draw closer to you, to more fully obey you, and to bring you glory. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today, I want to take all of us on a trip. And this is an expense-paid trip. Now, I got your attention now, so please turn down that TV and get up from laying down in bed. This is a fully expense paid trip. And as you know, today is Palm Sunday. That's one week before Easter Sunday. And this is a special time of year to focus, to reflect on Jesus. So what better way to do that than to go back about 2000 years ago and to spend time actually with Jesus. And so first, I want to take us to Matthew chapter 16 to get some background in what we're going to do and what we're going to hear, what we're going to experience. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is with his disciples, and he asks two questions. First, he asks them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples gave four responses, all of them were wrong. Then Jesus said, he looked at the twelve, and he said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Right away, Peter responded, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's actually a title. And the word Christ means Messiah. And Messiah means the anointed one from God. Now, those of us who come from a Christian background, we understand the phrase, son of the living God. But if there's anyone listening who comes from a Muslim background, I want to make it very clear that no follower of Jesus believes 
that God had a relationship with Mary and had a son, Jesus. No one believes that. The word son is a special term that conveys the closeness, the, unique, the uniqueness, the specialness that Jesus had with God. As a prince, this sonship has a royal title and has been given authority from God. So after three years, the disciples are beginning to really see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now in chapter 16, look at verse 21. From that time on, this is right after Jesus asks, who am I? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus just predicted his death and his resurrection. Now go to chapter 17 and listen to verse 20, 22 and 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man, I want to pause for a minute. That title, Son of Man, is used 70 times in the Gospels. And that can be very confusing. It's actually taking, this is what Jesus used more often to refer to himself than any other title. And the Son of Man comes from Daniel chapter 7. It's a messianic title. Again, showing that Jesus is the Messiah. So the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. This is the second time Jesus predicted his death and resurrection. And the end of verse 23 says the disciples were filled with grief. Why do you think they were filled with grief? I think because they were focusing on the death and not on the resurrection. In chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to read verses 17 through 19. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and they will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised to life. This is the third time that Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection. Now go to Matthew chapter 26 and listen as I read verse 1 and 2. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. This is the fourth time that Jesus predicted his death. He very clearly wanted the disciples to know this was gonna happen. And this reminds me of something I did years ago. For 27 years, I was a full-time high school teacher and I coached five sports during those 27 years. And some years ago, I was coaching a basketball team and my players were being treated very unfairly by the referees. And it got to the point <clears throat> that I told the players on the bench sitting next to me, this is while the game's taking place, I said, guys, 
I'm going to walk out on the floor and I'm going to get a technical. Now they heard what I said, but they looked at me like, what? And I waited till the other team had the ball so my team wouldn't lose possession. And right in the middle of the game, I walked right out on the floor. And I had a chance to tell the referees what I thought about what they were doing. And the referees gave me a technical. <clears throat> That's the only technical actually I ever received in all those years. <clears throat> so, but the point is, my words were confusing to the players on the bench, as Jesus' words were confusing to his disciples. <clears throat> now, go back to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 1, 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, and with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the tree and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 5 is a quote from <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and describes Jesus as a king coming in peace. And that's what a donkey represented peace. A horse represented war. A donkey represented peace. And look at verse 8. Would you take off your coat and put it on a dirty, dusty road for donkeys to walk over it? And you know donkeys do, number one and number two, just to be honest with you. But there are some other people who cut branches from the tree, and that's where we get the name Palm Sunday from, and laid those down the road. I think I would have volunteered. I'll cut the branches, and I wouldn't have saved my coat. <clears throat> so... In verse 9, this large crowd, half of them go in front of Jesus, half go behind Jesus. And it says in Scripture that they shouted. <coughs> they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they said, who is this? And the crowd that had been traveling with them responded, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. They didn't fully know Jesus. Do we? How well do we know Jesus? For the first 18 years of my life, I had gathered some head knowledge about Jesus. But I never put my faith in him as the Messiah, the anointed one from God. The one 
who could take away my sin and give me a new life, eternal life. I had never done that. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the question, how well do we know Jesus? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. During this time of our virus, many of us have much more time at home. But what are we doing with that time at home? What are we doing with the time at home? Are we focusing only on temporal entertainment or eternal edification? Let me ask that again. This extra time we have, is it used in temporal entertainment or in eternal edification? Now, I'm a normal guy. My wife might disagree with that. But I'm basically a normal guy, and I like watching movies too. But I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And that's done through spending time in prayer and spending time in the scriptures. May we all set aside more time for prayer and more time for reading the word. And call family and friends and share what things that we're learning. Now the next story everybody loves, when Jesus, after he has momentum of the crowd and he enters into the temple, and I, I'm not supposed to move from here, but I would have set up tables with money on it and flipped the tables over and made some cords and my grandkids would have been dressed up as different animals and scattered them around here and everybody would have loved that. But you know what? I said, no, I want to focus on the next day. When Jesus comes back to the temple the following day. Because that's when Jesus was teaching his disciples and anyone else who cared to listen. Then the religious people came. The chief priests and the elders came to him. And Jesus told a parable. Listen to this parable. In chapter 21, verse 28 to 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The religious people they answered the first. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Let's go back and look at the story. There's a father who has two sons, and he asked the same thing of both sons. He said, I would like you to go work in the vineyard. Both sons answered in three words. The first son said, I will not. Do you know not only is that rude 
and disrespectful, that's very dishonoring in a Middle Eastern culture. But later, but later, can I hear everyone say, but later, I hear you, but later, hallelujah, the first son changes his mind. He repents and he goes to work in the vineyard. The second son was very respectful. I will, sir. His words were very good, but his actions were bad. And we all know that actions speak louder than words. Then Jesus talks about tax collectors and prostitutes. And again, he's speaking to religious people. And the reason he talked about those two groups, because they were known for people who were not listening to God, were not close to God, they were not on a straight and narrow path. But then Jesus says to these religious people, but the tax collectors and prostitutes, they listened to John the Baptist. They repented, they changed their ways. And then he says to religious leaders, even after you saw their life change, you still did not repent and believe. May we repent from our pride and our self-righteousness and fall on our knees. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5. Now we're going to hear what's most important. In Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to read verse 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There are actually over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. And this expert came not to test Jesus on his knowledge, but on his judgment, on his discernment, on his wisdom. And Jesus basically quoted what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, that the greatest commandment is to love our God with all. And I want to tell you the Greek word for all means whole, entire, complete. I want you to get the weight of this. So the scripture says, Jesus said, number one commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart with all our soul, with all our mind, to love God with every ounce of our being, to love him more than anything. When I hear that, I think, woe is me. How far I fall short of loving God like that. And how much more I need to love God. This expert asked only for the first commandment, but Jesus couldn't stop at one because the second commandment is so connected to loving God, is so related to loving God, is so 
uh, it flows from loving God, flows into loving the second commandment. Loving God to loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus quoted Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 for the second commandment. Yes, we are to love ourselves. Sometimes we don't mention this, and we don't want to go to an extreme this way or an extreme this way. But our love for self must not be a selfish love. Yes, we are to love ourselves. We must have a proper regard for our own dignity, a proper concern for our health, for our well-being, our souls and our bodies. In the same way, we must also love others. We must look for opportunities to serve and care for others, to show our love in action. One cannot separate the first and the second commandments. Listen to John, chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, in the Good News translation. For we cannot love God, whom we have not seen, if we do not love others, whom we have seen. That's a very powerful word. Someone can't say, I love God, rightfully, truthfully, sincerely from their heart if they don't have love for other people. This is God's word. Verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. As a door hangs on the hinges, these two verses, the whole Old Testament, hang on. Jesus is saying that these two verses summarize the whole Old Testament. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, live a life of love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. May God help us spend more time with Jesus to get to know him better through prayer and reading the scriptures. May God help us to repent as needed, to walk humbly and to find grace in our time of need. And may we grow in loving God and in loving people for God's glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.